Hey everybody, Bill Allen here and welcome back to the 7 Figure Flipping Podcast. Today I've got a repeat offender on the podcast, Mike Simmons. So as you guys know, Mike is an incredible friend of this community. He's a mentor, he's a coach, he's a trainer, he's a great friend of mine, absolutely amazing guy. And today, um, since with all the seven day flip stuff going on with Tyler, what we t we're talking about is some issues that have come up inside of our business. So if you're having problems dealing with contractors, uh, if you want to know a little bit more about liens on properties, you want to talk about some issues with employees, that's the kind of stuff that Mike and I talk about today. And then we also talk about his new book. So he just released a book, wrote a book. Mike Simmons is an author, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely amazing. And I read the book recently just before it got published. And there's a couple things in there that really made me think about all the things that I was doing inside my business and inside this business, seven figure flipping actually. So a lot of light bulbs, a lot of things that I thought I knew just kind of hammered a lot of things home. It's absolutely amazing. So thank you, Mike Simmons for writing the book. And without further ado, let's jump in and let's hear from Mike about contractors, issues with houses, all of that stuff. And then a little bit more about his book. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called seven figure flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I've got a really good friend of mine and somebody who's been on the podcast. He's no stranger to any of you guys, of course. If you've been to Flip Hacking Live, you've been a part of our mastermind group, the Seven Figure Altitude, Seven Figure Runway, even, you know, old six-figure flipping group, uh, Mr. Mike Simmons, one of my great friends, awesome dude. Welcome, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm thinking as you're talking, at some point I need to get like co-host credit or something on this show. I've been on enough times now. I think it's like, I'm like an official co-host almost. So whenever the money starts rolling in from the podcast, that's when you can think about the co-host thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll put that on our list of things to talk about the next <laughs> exactly. time we have a few spare minutes. So, yeah, exactly. um, uh, Hey, I'm open to that. I mean, you, you definitely are a better talker than me. So I'm sure that you'll monopolize this time and rightly you should. And I don't know if, if you guys are hearing the subtle, the subtle backhanded compliments, but okay, keep going. I like it. I was going to say, if anybody's listening to this that hasn't listened to one of our uh, back and forths, <laughs> our debates, it seems, it's not even like a podcast. Uh, we, I don't know. We're really good friends and very, I think very much alike, uh, uh, but you know, significantly uh, different in age. We, um, we can like rib on each other a lot and just have a, have a good time. So yep. um, hopefully, you know, you're kind of like a fly on the wall on the podcast here with us, but you know, we're not here to just kind of make fun of each other. Uh, completely. But no. what I do want, you know, we're, we got this seven day flip series going right now. And what I asked Mike is I asked him to come on the podcast and we'll talk about a couple of like different stories that we have from flipping houses. So we got a lot of flippers that listen to the podcast, a lot of flippers in our, um, our seven figure altitude group and runway group there. It's pretty much 50, 50. Now we used to be like kind of heavy flippers. Then we went to heavy wholesalers. Now we're about 50, 50 inside the group I found. Um, over the past, you know, since the cruise, we split everybody up into flippers and wholesalers uh, in different like breakout sessions and things. And um, a lot of people are starting to get in like a little bit more, uh, flipping a little bit more than they were wholesaling now, potentially because of yeah. some changes in the market, right? Yep. And so it's interesting to see, see that. And we just launched this seven day flip uh, series with Tyler Jensen, where he's flipping four houses in seven days. And we're following along on that. We're launching a new, uh, tonight, we're recording this on Monday. So tonight, episode three goes out. I'm absolutely uh, pumped to see that one. It's going to be, yeah, I think it's too. my favorite episode so far. This is a really, really good one. 
Um, okay. But I wanted to bring Mike on and basically him and I can talk about some of the um, the things like lessons learned from flipping houses over the years. I know Mike's been doing it for a really long time. So, um, yeah. Mike, if you want to give a, just a little bit of background on like when, maybe just like when you started flipping, how many houses, something like that, like a, a story. And then I know that, you know, both of us are kind of heavy wholesalers. So, people might say, well, what do they know about flipping? Yeah, no problem. So, I started flipping houses, started in real estate really in 2008. You know, the little kind of like dirty secret that I've been talking a lot about lately um, because of what's going on in my life is that I really got the real estate bug in 2003 probably and I didn't flip my first house until 2008. So, there was a lot of reasons for that, but they're all excuses. It's a lot of paralysis analysis kind of a thing. So, I can totally sympathize with people who struggle in that, in that way. But when I started flipping house, when I started real estate, it was flipping houses. 2008, everything had kind of tanked and, and it hit the bottom. The media was screaming, get out of real, like real estate's tanking, like run, run, run for your lives. But as we know, as, a, as real estate investors, that's really a great time to get into real estate, honestly. I mean, it's too bad for the folks that are going through the troubles they're going through. But the fact of the matter is, there's just a lot of real estate available at a really good price. So, I got in at a great time. I started off by flipping houses. My first flip was actually a success. Made a ton of mistakes. Um, you know, we, we used a, a conventional mortgage back then to buy it, which is not necessarily how people do it mostly now and not how I recommend people do it. But we got a mortgage and we went all in with our personal finances, credit cards, um, savings, and we just put it all in the pot and we went for it. Didn't know what we were doing. Um, for example, the contractor that I hired, I interviewed a bunch of them and I thought, okay, I've got eight guys that are, want to potentially, you know, quote this job and they want to get the, the work. So, I'll just, quote, I'll, I'll talk to one of them per hour, give them their due, take my time with each one. So, I scheduled eight hours worth of walkthroughs with contractors and of course, three of them showed up and they were all like spread out. So, I sat in this house for eight hours to talk to three people. Um, so, that was lesson number one, like just, you know, bring them all in, get that group, you know, that scarcity and make sure that people are all kind of paying attention because they can see there's other people interested. Did the renovation, it actually went okay, but I hired the contractor ended up hiring. I hired him mostly because he seemed like someone that I got along with and he was kind of like me and he felt like somebody I thought was kind of a good dude. I didn't check his references. I, I didn't even necessarily go for the most experienced guy or whatever. I just was like, hey, I like this guy, personally like him. And and it kind of, at the end, he sort of flaked out. And, you know, I, I learned what a release of lean was in my first deal because I didn't know what it was before that. And I ended up double paying my, my uh, electrician because he didn't pay the electrician. And they said, well, you know, I believe that you paid him, but nobody paid us. So, we have to put a lien on the house. And you can't sell it without satisfying this lien. And I was, was like a whole learning experience. So, I also learned how to negotiate releases of lien down a little bit because I had to do that. But at the end of the day, we made $15,000 in a, in a super, in a market where the house I bought was 40. So, it was a, it was good profits. We made, we did a good job on that one. And I, I tell people jokingly, but honestly, it really is pretty accurate. If that had gone really, really bad and I'd lost a lot of money, I wouldn't even probably be talking to you right now because my wife would have pulled the plug hard. But because we made money, she sort of pushed hard. Like she was like, all right, this is awesome. And I see, I see it now. I get the vision. So, let's go after it. And, and we started working together as a team after that. Okay. I want to jump into that. You, you, you dropped a couple of kind of nuggets there. And let's, so, let's dig a little bit deeper than that. So, you mentioned that you, you had like eight different contractors and you, you spread them out to yeah. interview them. So, they basically come in, look at the project, give you a bid. And at that time, you probably didn't want, you 
maybe you thought it was right to not have them all there at once yeah. because they would kind of upset yep. each other. So you, yep. everything that you just said is like a similar story for me. And the reason I want to go deeper in that is because there's probably some people that are listening that either haven't, have never flipped a house before, or they're doing it this way, not realizing that they shouldn't. So I was that guy. I had like four or five different electricians that were going to come bid the project. And I didn't want them to see each other. So I would actually like schedule 30 minutes in between so that yeah. if it went a little bit over and they left, but you're right, I was there the whole day. And then most of the time they didn't, almost all of them didn't show up. Yeah. And yeah. so I ended up sitting there and calling them and be like, oh, well, my next appointment's not for two hours. Can't really do anything. So right. like, how do you recommend doing it? Do you recommend just stacking them on and bringing them all in through a thousand percent, thousand percent. Yep. I put it, I usually put an ad on Craigslist or something along those lines. And, um, Usually I, I have them now, nowadays what I do, and I think this is, this to me is like game changer because I still flip a little bit. Like you said, I, I was heavy flipping, went to heavy wholesaling, and now we're doing a little more flips than we used to. So I create a, a Google form that I, I put a link in the Craigslist ad and say, hey, I'm looking for someone who can do whole house renovations. You can, you know, you work in this town and you have reliable transportation and you're licensed and insured and click this link to f answer a couple of additional questions to be considered, right? So if they don't fill that out, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to them. So they fill that out, it populates a, a spreadsheet and then I can just go to my spreadsheet whenever I need a contractor and go, oh, I've got these 20 people that applied last time. And, and so that's how I do it now. And yes, when I, when I, want to get their bids, I absolutely have them come at the exact same time because you find out a couple things. You find out who works well with other contractors because they show up, they're friendly, they seem unintimidated, unbothered by the whole thing, and they're very forthcoming and very, very good. And then yeah, I've had people pull up, stop their car, look around at what's happening and just drive away. Like they're, they don't even want to come in the house because they see other contractors bidding it. And that's good to know. Because that person might not have worked well if you had to bring in some other, you know, a roofer, electrician, a plumber, something. Uh, chances are they wouldn't have worked well with them. So, it, yeah, I absolutely stack them on at the same exact time. And plus, the other thing that, that happens when you do that, and another thing I learned is I create a scope of work before they get there. Otherwise, it's chaos, right? Everyone's got their own way of doing things. But I create a scope of work that's, that's comprehensive as far as I'm concerned before they show up. I, I could have missed something for sure. But I hand that out and we walk through it as a group. And that way, when one contractor says, hey, I see on the scope of work that, you know, you want to do this, whatever it is, update or something. And he goes, you can't do it that way. That won't be the code. I've, I've tried it. It doesn't work. I have to do it this way. All the contractors hear that. And whether they knew it or not, now I say, good, everyone make a note on the bottom. We're going we're gonna to do it this other way because this is the, the way to do it. And then everyone's on the same page. I don't have to call them and go, hey, I changed the scope of work. Everyone hears it at the same time. Man, I wrote that exact thing down. I wrote the same bid for each person, apples to apples, because that's what I found was the problem. I would walk the first two contractors through. They'd take my scope of work and say, oh yeah, no problem. I can do this. And then the third one comes in and says, hey, did you ever think about doing it this way? Or I've got this idea here. I've done this in a previous job where you could actually knock this wall out and put this thing here and okay. or make this slight adjustment. And I was like, that is genius. And then sure enough, the other two contractors bidding something different than the third one. And then going forward, I use that same plan for the next couple that came in. And then I'm trying to figure out, you know, comparing apples to oranges. It just did not work. So no. I think you nailed it there. Like that is the biggest thing. If you can get everybody through there and make a, do like a pen and ink change, like we call it in the military, just cross this out, write this in. Everybody is going out there and bidding the same thing. You mentioned yeah. the Google form, like what's yeah. on that? Like, can we go deeper in that? Like, is there certain questions that you ask that you would recommend yeah. people to do? 
I'm going from memory, so I might miss a few things. But basically, I ask them their name, their email address, their phone number, right? I want to have all their contact information, obviously. And then, like, if I'm working in a certain uh, city or town or township or county or whatever, I just say, do you do work in this county? Because what I've gotten before is a Craigslist ad's answered and they'll call or they'll show up and they'll go, I, I can't drive this far, you know? So I want to suss that stuff out immediately. So do you work in this town? Do you have reliable transportation? Are you licensed? Are you insured? Do you have references? Um, have you ever worked with investors before? That's a huge question for me because if they say no, um, I know right away their, their cost is probably not going to be in line. I'll still talk to them, but I want to know if they've ever worked with, a, with a, an investor before. Um, and then I ask them, what kind of work do you not do? Because that's important too, right? I would get a general contractor comes out and he goes, I don't deal electric. I don't deal with it, right? I want to know that before I hire him. So um, they can tell me right on that form, what do you not like doing? And I, I think if I remember right, I, I left this on there. The question, what are you best at? So, you know, I don't get a, a drywaller trying to do my electricity. You know, I know that he's good at drywalling. So that's probably where I'll, I'll focus on if I have to pick someone just to do one thing. So basic questions like that. It does, I don't make it too long because I know most contractors, if you give them a 30 questions, they're never going to, they're not going to answer them all. So mine are like name, address, phone number, maybe five or six other questions done. That's it. And it feeds into a spreadsheet. And then, you know, then we make notes on the spreadsheet like, hey, tried calling this guy he never returned my call or he made an appointment, never showed up. And we can just, and we leave them on the spreadsheet. So I, if they ever apply again, I, I can see that they've already been there. So we make notes as, as whether or not they worked out or not. Yeah. I, I like, uh, I like getting the, their license number and actually checking, like looking it up in the County records to see if it's active yeah. and it's, it's good. Um, yeah. So one thing I, I saw it in inside of our private Facebook group, our mastermind group recently that, you know, somebody had uh, been screwed over by a contractor, but they didn't actually check their license number. They said they were licensed, but uh, they yeah. didn't actually go behind and, and follow up. So I, yeah. I think we could, we could probably spend an hour or two hours just talking about uh, contractors. Right. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. and I think that I, it's, that's a big, that's a big problem that we have. And, and I think is setting those expectations up front, like finding somebody who's okay with that, who's okay with being held accountable to the yep. job. I mean, remember this is, this is either, if you treat them as a partner of yours, an employee, a staff member, like a 1099 person, like they're part of the team, right? So you, you mentioned that you like them. Uh, those people, a lot of times are hard to fire. They're hard mm -hmm. to hold accountable, those kind of things. But when they come in yep. with those expectations set right out the bat, out the gate, then we have a better success rate of what the what 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 we we need on our side and what they're going to provide to the to the deal. So, yep. um, so we were kind of talking about like some so contractors were one of the issues uh, using your own money, conventional mortgages, stuff like that. Um, let's talk about the release of lien a little bit because you you mentioned that like um, so. It's obviously another contractor problem, but somebody might not know exactly what that means. So yeah. it sounds like somebody put a lien on the property and yeah. then the general so, contractor didn't pay them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hired a general contractor. A lot of a lot of house flippers hire general contractors and they have their own subcontractors that they like to use, right? And then you pay the general contractor and the agreement is that they will pay their subcontractors. Well, before you pay a general contractor for anything, you need to you need to make sure that you're getting what's called a release of lien, which means 
your, your general contractor will ask the, the electrician, for example, to sign a release of lien saying, I have been paid for the work that I did and I agree that I will not be putting a lien on this property because I've been compensated. And then you get those before you pay your general contractor. I, I wasn't doing that. I was just paying them and, and, and it was the honor system basically. And, you know, a lot of contractors will pay their subs. It's not like you, you'll, you'll never make it, you know, it'll never work. It's just not good practice. Like anything, there should be contracts in place. And, you know, we have contracts with our generals too. It says, you know, what their scope of work is and what their price is. And, you know, even like hours that they, that they agree that they'll work between, because I, I don't want contractors showing up at one o'clock in the morning to start circular saw work, you know, with the neighbors. And, um, and then we have like little, little incentives in their contract to talk about if they're late with the job, you know, we, we charge them per day if they're late with the job. But typically what I'll do with a contractor is say, you know, what's your, what's your, uh, when's it due or when do you think you'll be done? When do you commit to being done? And they say four weeks and I'll say, okay, four weeks, but you know, you're taking into account things can go wrong and weather and okay. So maybe like four and a half weeks. I'll say, good, I'll give you five weeks. Is that fair? Yep. Good. Because every day after five weeks, I'm, I'm going to charge you $100. It's going to be charged. So that's how we do it. It's not, you know, we don't use a carrot approach. We just use the stick, but you can do it the other way too. If you get done early, then I'll give you a bonus. I mean, I, I, it never happens for me, but I need to get more with, I need to get with uh, Tyler and find out what he's doing because I've not done one in seven days before. Four weeks seems aggressive sometimes for me. So. Well, if anybody watched the first episode, they did one in six days. So they've done three seven day flips. The first one they finished in six days. The seventh day they said they were barbecuing, sitting in hammocks, relaxing, just kind of like cleaning up the yard. Yeah. It was like kind of like yeah. bragging. And then the second one that they did was not so easy. So he got a little cocky. So yeah. it was interesting. I, I, they were there until like 1130 at night. I'm glad I know him personally because I, I feel good that I can see Tyler at events and see him at different places and, and pick his brain because I would like to get better. He's doing things that I'm not doing. He's doing some magic that I want to be doing. So it's good. Yeah, it's cool to watch that and kind of follow along with that series and see that it's possible. And, and knowing Tyler, he's an incredible guy and just kind of motivates his team. And it's, it's pretty funny. I was just watching the preview for episode three. So it will have gone out by the time you guys listen to this. But he, um, Jeffrey is announcing the plan and he basically, Jeffrey is Tyler's project manager and, he's, yeah. and he was on the podcast like just a couple episodes ago. And he said, okay, the hierarchy here is Tyler, then Tyler talks to me and I talk to the other two pro, uh, you know, project managers of the, each house. So each of yeah. them had two. He goes, nobody go directly to Tyler because he doesn't know anything and he's just going to confuse you and he's going <laughs> to give you the wrong answer and it's all going to get screwed up. So if you need anything, you come to me. Do not go to Tyler. Good. Everybody get it. There's 20 people there listening to this going, okay. And Tyler's just like, He's right. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. It's pretty funny. And it's a lot like me in my business now. I'm at the point where I, anytime I get involved, I'm usually screwing something up. Like if I have to get involved and I stick my nose where it doesn't belong, I'm, yeah. I'm going outside the process, the procedure, all that stuff. Right. So totally. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so, so we got some of those issues. You got people that um, release a lien. I think that, that has never become like a major sticking point for me, but I have had contractors who haven't paid the subs and then the subs have come to me. They haven't liened the property, but they cert certainly threatened to, right? So yeah. um, that's kind of the, and I have no proof that the general contractor paid them. So um, having your paperwork in order, dotting your I's, crossing your T's are really, really important in this totally. stuff. So um, what else? What, what other kind of issues have you come across kind of uh, flipping house and maybe a couple of like gotchas? Um, well, I can tell you like some, out. yeah, I can tell you some major tactical, uh, like 
mistakes that I made, some things that I had, the way I structured my business that was horrible um, in the beginning. And the reason why we, we've mentioned it a few times, I used to be big flipper. Now I, I've moved on mostly wholesale. There's a reason. There was a fork in the road. There was an issue basically that happened that stopped me in my tracks and forced me to make some decisions. And I went toward wholesaling. But what happened and, and the mistake I made that I really think people need to be careful about is there was a point in my business where I was at the peak of my flipping success. Like I was at the most flips I was doing and things were going great. Locally, I was talking on stages and, and I just felt like I had it all figured out. But at the time when that was happening, the way my business was structured is I was kind of a one-man band, but my team, I had, I had a contracting crew and I had a realtor on my team. The contracting crew, I, had, I didn't have a relationship with any of the subs. I only knew the general contractor and he was the only contractor that I worked with. I had no other contacts, no other contractors. He owned my contracting work and he had done a great job and had been fair with pricing and we had a great relationship. On the other side of my team was a realtor. At the time, I, I relied on him to exclusively give me ARVs, to tell me what the property will sell for in his estimation, um, and he was responsible for selling it. So, we hit this point in my business where I had this deal that came up. It was in the town that he lives in, my contract, I'm sorry, my realtor. It was in the town he lived in. My contractor was on board. Everything was great. The guy lived in the town. I said, what do you think it'll sell for? He goes, all day long. I can't remember the number now, but all, I think it was like $140,000 all day long. 140, completely renovated. Perfect. I told him what I'm going to do. He said, perfect. 140, that's a done deal. Great. Get my contractor. What's it going to cost me to do this? I think for that property, I was like a $40,000 renovation, something like that. And so, we started going just like every other deal I've ever had. And at some point mid-project, my contractor stopped showing up. He started like upcharging me and giving me receipts for stuff that I never approved. And he had, an, had a weird attitude with me. Like he was kind of being aggressive toward me. And like, it's all this weird stuff was happening. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. So we got through the project. I ended up spending more than I meant to because he wasn't, he wasn't asking for approval. He was spending money and, and I, I, he was doing the work, but it's like, he knew that he can't spend more than a certain amount without getting approval, but he was doing it. So I was like paying him and it was a real bad situation. Overpaid for my renovation. So I get done. I'm like, okay, well, at least it's done. I spent more than I should have, but there's still profit here because I know what it'll sell for. And we got to the market and it wasn't even, he was off by a million miles. I think it was like 110 was the real ARV. It was crazy. And in Michigan, we don't have $100,000 flips really. It's like 30 grand is a really good flip, right? So I ate up all my profit. I was going to lose money. And I went to the realtor. I'm like, wait a minute, this is in your backyard. You're a realtor. It's in your backyard. How could you have missed it so, so bad? And his reaction was very dismissive. Like, well, you win some, you lose some kind of an attitude. I was like, oh boy. So I said, okay, I don't have a realtor anymore. And my contractor's kind of flaked out on me. He's not, he's not really on board anymore. And I'm still getting leads. So I said, I, I've got to do something. And I knew a bunch of flippers in my neighborhood, in my area that were dying for deals. They weren't, I was, I was direct mailing at this point and they weren't, and they were getting no deals. So I wholesaled my first deal ever to a friend of mine and he bought it and it was very informal and I made $15,000. And, and the next deal that came through, I did the same thing, made another $15,000. I made this all in like a few weeks with no contractors and no realtors. And I was just like, this is awesome. But the big, the big lesson learned there was 
now when I work with contractors, I make sure that I know who the subs are, who they're using. I make sure that I'm building a bench. I want to make sure that if that contractor flakes at general, I've got other general contractors that I have a relationship with, that I have dialogue with, that I can reach out to and say, hey, I need you to come and jump into this project for me. So I build that, to use a baseball term, I, I build a bench. I have like a farm team that I, I'm constantly in contact with. And then on the other side is, for heaven's sakes, do not ever give the complete control over ARV to anybody, in my opinion, outside of your company. If there's someone in your company that that's their specialty, great. Don't trust it to someone who's not directly working inside of your company because that's a big number. AR, everything, you know, everything flows down from the ARV. If that's wrong, it doesn't matter what else you do. You're, you're screwed because that's a, that's a bad number. So, um, I control that number now and, and I make sure that I know what things will sell for at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a problem if it's high. It's okay if it's low, but it's yeah, rarely exactly. low. Rarely low. Rarely yeah. low. So, yeah, I, I think the great point. Like, you, if, you, if you only have a single point of failure in your business, then you've got some, some issues. Like, the house of cards can all come crashing down. If, like, in your yep. case, the realtor and the contractor uh, just kind of flake on you and, and they're done, you know? And I, yep. I find that that's, that's the case a lot of times. We... we I don't know, a contractor or somebody will do like one or two jobs at a time really, really well, or they'll perform for a while until they don't. Like, yep. It's just, it's really yeah. weird. I don't know why that is, but um, it's, it's almost like they, they get, they overextend themselves. They get to, a, they, it's almost like they, that's what they want to be doing. Like they wish they could get, I've had some that have done, you know, two jobs at a time and killed it. And then when they have five and they say, oh yeah, I can take more, I can take more, I can take more. And yeah. then they just get way behind. And I think, I think the thing is that like, you manage your business a certain way and you expect other people to manage their business the same way that you manage your business. Yeah. So I know that I can organically grow my company because I'm at the helm. I'm making those changes. I'm turning the dials. I'm looking at the KPIs. I'm doing all those things. But when somebody else tries to do the same thing, they might not have that skill set, that experience. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're leveraging my business. They're taking my income, my, uh, my jobs to help grow their company and hire out their subs and more, uh, more lines of communication, more potential yeah. issues. And they're using that to springboard and grow their company when they're not, their foundation is not as strong as mine. And so yeah. I've seen that. Everybody else that I work with, I look at like, where is their business and I'm going through this right now. Right now in the seven-figure flipping company, I've had some, some struggles with some of the people that we've hired, we've brought on, we've made some changes. I've had to let some people go. We've had some people quit. Like it's, it's running a business, right? Yep. But as I'm looking at bringing on a third party, so some, potentially somebody to do some marketing or somebody to do something else for us, I look at where the maturity of their business is and are they stable are they trying to grow? So they're going to bring on just a bunch more clients, right? And they're, I'm going to pay for their, their growth and their uncertainty. Or yeah. are they in the infancy stage where they're, they're really hungry and they want, to, they want to do really good, really well for you. And they want to give you their best, you know, because they're, they're yeah. proving themselves and building a brand. So if you look at that other company, the way that you look at your company and treat it, then you can probably see some potential problems down the road. And so that's one thing that I've noticed, especially recently, I'm talking like, this is fresh wounds for me, like past couple of weeks is yeah. I'm talking to other third party providers and I'm starting to see that, you know, where are they in their, in their business stage? Because yeah. it's important to know that because if you're going to build a relationship and work with somebody for three months, six months, nine months, a year, like where are they going in their company and how do you fit in that puzzle? Totally. So, and you know, so you brought something up, you know, 
contractors, uh, we're picking on contractors a little bit, but in this world of flipping, this is a lot of times where this falls. You think as the business owner, if you just keep bringing them projects, paying them on time and treating them well, they'll stay for like the forever. They'll be great to work with. And that it just, it should be that way, but it's not always that way. So I, I say prepare, you know, prepare for the, for the worst, I guess, like have other contractors that you can reach out to. Even if you have one that's great, they may last forever and that's awesome. But you know, just know that that isn't necessarily always the case. And, and if you have a contractor to your point of knowing what's going on in their business, who you have a, you know, a schedule, you have a schedule of how they're going to be paid and they're calling you at random days and times saying, I need to get paid today for something like that's a red flag. Obviously they're, they're really in bad trouble financially probably. So be careful about that and certainly don't give them a lot of money up front. Yeah. They're probably, um, they're probably taking your money to pay off the last job yeah. that they did and it's just continuing going that way. Totally. You know, I, you mentioned the fact that we're picking our contractors and I, I guess that's the case, but we're just picking on the bad ones, right? Like, yeah, right. I think the same thing. If, if this was a contractor podcast and we're talking about like how we're building our contracting business, <laughs> right. they're probably throwing stones at the horrible flippers. Yeah, like, exactly. We're like two really good business owners, in my opinion, and maybe it's a little bit biased, but two mm-hmm. really solid, good, great business owners who are like talking about other contractors that have come into our world. And there's tons of like bad flippers out there that it's the reason that they're asking to get paid up front is probably because they got burned on the last investor. They didn't pay them for the job, yeah. you know, or yeah. some things that happen. So you have to think of it. I'm always on the, on that side of put yourself in the other person's shoes. Like yeah. what have they gone through? What do they need? And how do you build that relationship and trust? Like yeah. they're coming into it just as leery as we are. They're like, Oh, this is another house flipper. Another, they may have been burned <laughs> by 10 other house flippers. And that's why they're, they're putting things in place the way that, that they are. So, I mean, yeah. if you can find a good, a good fit, a good relationship and you build trust, then obviously it just, it just seems like in any industry, whether it's realtors or contractors or flippers or wholesalers, like there's that top 10% and there's a bottom 90. And we're the top yeah. 10% talking about the bottom 90 right now. And yeah. it like the top 10% that's talking about the other top 10%, go watch the seven day flip with Tyler Jensen and watch like a really good yeah. performing team show yeah. up produce, do well, see some issues, come, come together. I mean, you'll see somebody standing in a hole of a bathroom where they found a bunch of mold and rot and stuff that they couldn't fix and old piping that all need to be done. And he's like, I'll have this done by tonight. And they're like, what? <laughs> like you're going to rip out all like joists from the, from the sub, you're going to put in new subfloor. You're going to put in some two by four, yeah. some bracing. And, and then one guy goes, and we'll have it painted. And I was like, wait, what? No yeah. way. And, like these are people that are motivated to help get this done. So it's just a totally different thing. I mean, we're talking about issues and struggles, right? Because this is the top 10% mm-hmm. of the flippers and wholesalers that, like us talking about the bottom 90 of the contractors. So when we yep. come across the top 10% of the contractors, we make TV shows about it and we do really well. <laughs> exactly. You know? and, it's, and it should be mentioned too. And I, I really do feel this way. Everything, every problem I've had with contractors in the past, I can go back and see how I heavily contributed to the problem, right? So, you know, there's a, there's an ownership part of this too, that I don't want to go contractors are horrible and they'll screw you. There's some that will for sure, but there, you always have a part you played and maybe it was a huge part and you're not aware of it, you know? So I, there's tons of stuff I did wrong that contributed to the problems I had, but yeah, there's, there's just, yeah. And that part usually stems from expectations and Oh, by the way, you're the one that hired them. So yeah, exactly. you, you like that guy, you had him over, yeah. you're like, this is going to go great. And then you didn't have those kind of trip wires along the way that you acted on and said enough's enough. Like yeah. the people that get burned by contractors are the people that are writing the checks. <laughs> Look, 
I got a contractor for my personal house. It, this was like, this is less than a year ago. I've only been in my house for a year and I was screening in my back porch. It's probably nine months ago and had this guy, like I had just bought the house. I was looking for somebody, came as a referral, brought him in. There were some red flags. Like my gut was like, eh, I'm not really sure about this guy. <laughs> I hired him anyway. It was a small, it wasn't a huge job, a couple thousand bucks. Right. Yeah. And he, he started doing some of the work, asked for a bunch of money up front. I gave him a check. He was like, I've never heard of USAA. Is that a local bank? Or, and I'm like, USAA is like the nation's biggest, like virtual bank, like uh, yeah. just non, like art, military bank. You've never heard. He's like, is it in Nashville or is there a branch downtown? Like I need to go there to cash this check. And my, <laughs> my local bank won't take it. And I was like, red flags, sirens going off. I was like, just bring the check back. I'll rip it up and then I'll call. If you need materials, I'll pay for the materials, but I'm calling them. I'll give them my credit card. When you're at checkout, they will send me the receipt. Like I started putting some, some, uh, some uh, contingencies in place, right? Some, some things in there yeah. where I was like, uh, I'm going to start controlling this. And then <laughs> it got delivered. He started putting it up and then sure enough, he's like, the door wouldn't fit. The screen door, right? Wouldn't fit. So he, he calls me up and he says, hey man, it's going to be another week. I had to special order the door. I drove around to 20 different Home Depots around Nashville to look for this door. I, sa I said, you did what? You drove to 20 different places? He's like, yeah, like I only have enough money to pay for this certain door. It was a special order. He's like, the one that I got off clearance didn't fit. It was swung the wrong way. So it's going to be a week. And I was like, okay, this guy's trying to save like $150. And he, he thinks driving around to 20 different stores, yeah, saving yeah. him $150. I was like, I've got to get out of this relationship. And he just never showed up again. And fortunately, <laughs> nice. I put all those controls in place so that I didn't give him a bunch of money up front because he, yeah. he would have just ditched my, and he blocked me on Facebook. He, uh, so when I, I started seeing, he was posting in all these groups and things like that. I didn't see him anymore. I couldn't find him. I was like, this guy blocked me. What's happening? Who else is working with him? I started searching his name. He yeah. changed his company. It was just- Wow. It's just great for over like $1,000. I, I probably- I probably lost like 250 bucks in the deal, but yeah. he lost, like he didn't get paid for the, his last draw of his labor. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy walked away from probably like a thousand bucks. And so I just hired a local handyman to get the door and install it and it was done, but it's, <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. it's crazy. Like, I, yeah. and so it was my fault, right? I knew in the beginning, all this stuff was happening. So we mentioned business structure, like uh, ownership, a lot of this stuff, like building a company. So uh, but I, I'd like to, I know that we were talking about flipping houses, but I think it's like, all of the things that we're talking about come back to that, right? They come back to building a business. Yep. And, you know, recently I was able to, uh, first of all, I got an advanced copy of your book. So <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Mike Simmons, I, I forgot to mention in the beginning, he's like this big fancy author, New York Times bestseller, um, number much. one on Amazon. Are you there yet? Is it um, I'm on my way. Let's just call it good. I'm on my way. I'll get there. Okay. So uh, <laughs> by the time you hear this, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. In the next few days, we'll exactly. definitely be uh, topping the charts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, honestly, it, a huge accomplishment, right? Like writing a book, becoming an author, it's not an easy feat. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you later how I know. It's really, really challenging to do this. And I know Mike's been uh, very quiet about what he's been doing for a long time. I did, he didn't even tell me until like a couple months ago, we were just talking and he goes, oh yeah, hey, you know, I'm, uh, my book's coming out soon. I was like, what are you talking about? send it to me. And he's like, no, no, I'm not ready to send it to you. But I got a slight advanced copy. I read it. And I'll tell you, it really helped me. Like some of the, the lessons in there, um, you know, 
you think you know this stuff, right? But when you hear it from somewhere else, you hear it from someone else, uh, said a different way, like it really was kind of speaking to me. And I, Mike, I don't know if I shared this with you, but a lot of the kind of decisions that I made over the past couple of weeks were predicated off a few chapters of your book. So number one, thank you for sending me that PDF copy. Um, I, I appreciate that because it really did help me. And I was able to read it before June 1st when it came out, which is awesome. So, um, and then it came out on Amazon. I bought a bunch of copies and, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet, but I'll do something. So, um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the book, um, like some of the inspiration for it and stuff like that. Totally. So really, so I, you know, a lot of what's in the book, most of what's in the book, uh, goes back to when I, when I joined seven figure flipping, honestly, my, my company, uh, changed from a flipper flipping company to a wholesaling company. And that almost coincided like real close within a few months of joining the seven figure flipping program and meeting the folks in there, yourself included. And, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Andy, who was super instrumental in me building my business. And I know you too. Um, a lot of this comes from that because we, we joke about it a lot and we've talked about it at Flip Hacking Live and, and things that uh, me and my partner basically broke our version of the four minute mile and inside of our group because the whole thing was we're trying to get to seven figures, a small group that got started five years ago or so. We're all trying to get to seven figures. Whoever gets there first wins a prize and we, we got there first and, and so since then, I've been building my business and, and making improvements and things. And people ask, like, how did you get there? Because we talk about it, getting to seven figures. How did you get there? What did you do? What was the difference? And so for me, answering that question over and over again for years, I thought this would make, this would be a cool book. Like this is exactly what investors and frankly, like one man band operations, people who are running uh, a business on their own and they're running into this circular logic. I can't grow unless I hire and build a team, but I can't grow and build a team because I'm too small. And, and then you keep getting into the circular logic where you keep bumping your head against the same wall. And so this book is really designed for, for people who have either no company or a very you know, small company that's trying to scale. How do you do that? How do you do that effectively and responsibly? What does that look like when you're trying to scale? And how do you build a team that, that stays together and wants to be there and cares? Uh, anybody who's hired and for any length of time, you know that you've every once in a while, whether it's dumb luck or because you have a great system, you, you bring on somebody and they would, they're like a huge advocate for your company. They would run through walls for you. They, they love being there. They're enthusiastic. They're the cheerleader, cheerleader inside the company. And so how do you build a whole team of those kind of people? What does that look like? And how do you foster that kind of an attitude? And in the book, we talk about culture. You mentioned it. And you know, everybody's company, whether it's just you or you and maybe one other person or two other people, your company has a culture. It just might be really crappy. If you're not aware of what that culture is and you're not, you're not purposefully creating that culture, then it's probably not great. And people are probably just there because they need a job and, and they, they look forward to the weekends and all this stuff. But what if you could create a company where people cared similar to how you do. They never care exactly probably because it's not their company, but they all really want the company to succeed and they're excited about it. Is it all money? Is it just paying them more? It's not. You know that. I know that. And does bringing the right person in mean the person who has the most experience or, you know, this rock star you have to pay a lot of money to? No, not always. A lot of times it comes down to culture and what is their, what are their values? And so it, it talks about that a lot. It also talks about some of the metrics and KPIs associated with what, how I built my company and how 
any good company is built, they know their numbers, they understand their numbers, they, they train and they compensate and they reward based off of metrics and things like that. So those are the kind of tools that I use to grow my business. And we're constantly refining those tools. We're constantly trying to be better with our culture and bring in people that have even better, more aligned values and morals that we do. And that's really the secret sauce. And that's how we built our business. And I also touch on masterminds and mentors and, um, and partnerships because I'm, I have a partner, my, my company has a partner. And I think that's a huge question. People think they see someone with a partner who has success and they go, I need a partner or they get lonely in their business and they just want someone there who cares like they do that they can bounce ideas off of. So they go, I have to get a partner, right? Maybe, maybe not. You know, it's, it's not always the right, the right option. And I think that's a, you know, you could write a whole book on partnerships and why and how they work and why and how they don't. So I did dedicated a chapter to that too, because that's a big question that I get. You know, when I, when I read it, I thought back to the first day that we showed up at Dana Point. Like we met in person for the first, actually we, we met for the first time. We hadn't even spoken before that. I heard you on, on this podcast before that, like kind of uh, talking about who you were and your background and stuff. And I could tell that, you know, I think felt like we had a lot in common and I, you thought a lot like me. And so like being in that meeting, reading this book now is like going back. If I had that kind of blueprint in the beginning, just that con- some of the concepts and ideas, I would have done things a little bit differently probably. And I, it's in reading that and knowing you and watching your kind of progression over the past five years from us being in that first meeting to now and seeing some of the, the struggles and the things that you've been through and hirings and firings and, and going through these, these, the real estate roller coaster, right? The business roller yep. coaster that we're on. And, and just wondering if a lot of that came from like, I wish I, somebody told me all this stuff in one document before I got started. Is that was the kind of, the concept behind it, like you took all the, the lessons that you learned the hard way and tried to make it easier for other people? Yeah, definitely. And, and really a big part of it was, you know, we say a lot, people say in business a lot, you don't know what you don't know. This book answers and discusses a lot of things that you will not think to ask intuitively as you're scaling a business. Because what does everybody want to know? What software should I use? Like what tool can I have that will help me? And that's all, it's all important, right? Tools come and go, software comes and goes. Things are always getting upgraded, changed. The, the trends go in different directions. But the things that you don't think to ask that will ultimately decide how solid your foundation is and how solid your structure is, that's what's in the book, right? So if you want to know like, what's the best CRM I should, you know, to use? It's not necessarily what we're talking about in this book. It's like, how do you build a, a, a team that is a raving fans of your business, raving fans of you, that they go out and they try to make the business better. They care what's happening. It's not just because you're paying them or because they're going to get in trouble. They care as much as you do. And you have this culture and this hiring system. And then something that I call maintenance in the book, which is, okay, you bring this great person on. It was a great hire. They liked the company. And then you don't talk to them for three months. Or when you do talk to them, it's just, you're just yelling at them about something they did wrong, right? So how do you foster, how do you create this team that not only is great from the beginning, but they get better over time? So that's, that's really what I wanted to focus on. All the things that no one will ask me intuitively about how I built my business, but they need to know because it won't work without this. Yeah. So what's it called and how can they find it? Let's go there. Okay. It's called Level Jumping. Um, they can find it on Amazon. If you go to Amazon and look for level jumping uh, or, or type my name in Mike Simmons, you can find it there. Um, I will also for this, uh, for this podcast and for what we're doing right now, I didn't tell you this before we started, 
But if, if someone listening to this who listens to the podcast wants to get a free digital download similar to what you got, if they text the words just start, which is the name of my podcast, just start real estate. If they type just start to the number five, five, four, four, four. So text just start to five, five, four, four, four. I'll send you a free digital download. If you get the digital download and you love it, and it's awesome. By all means, I encourage you to go get the book and review it on Amazon. Um, that would be awesome. But I will send you that if you're a listener and you, and you type that in, I'll, I'll send you a free download. Okay. So get your free download and go buy the book, like support Mike. So everything that he does, I'm sure if you've gotten value from this podcast or any of the other ones that he's done or all of his presentations at Flip Hacking Live, like the dispositions presentation that he did, the KPIs presentation, like everything that this guy has given to the community. Uh, it's kind of surreal, um, you know, kind of joking around with you and interviewing you on this podcast now. Cause I remember where I was when I heard your podcast that Justin did with you for the first time on, on the House of HQ podcast, right? This one you know, rebranded years ago. And I was like, whoa, this guy is unbelievable. He's doing things at a level that I can never imagine. That It was part of the reason why I joined 7 Figure Flipping was that. And then meeting you the first time, you guys presented for like three hours and I got like 10 minutes to talk about my piddly little, like it wasn't even a business. I, I, sh I didn't even deserve to be in that room, right? And now just the fact that we're as good of friends as we are, we kind of like jump on each other's podcasts and stuff like that. And now it just being able to like, think of you as a peer and a colleague, right, is, is really cool um, and a little bit surreal kind of going back in my mind five years ago to, to what, what we have going on now compared to what we had going on then is no. just astronomically different, right? Could have never predicted. No, definitely not. And <laughs> yes, definitely not predicted this, I don't think so. <laughs> but, you know, you, you said like how, how do you, you, the question that you were answering is like you keep getting asked that. Like, how did you do what you did? And it's so funny that you say that because every year at Flip Hacking Live, I feel this exact same way. Like the first year we were at, um, in Mission Bay, we had like 100 people there. Maybe, maybe it was a little bit more than that. I don't even, actually at that time, I didn't even know what 100 people looked like in a room. <laughs> and it just seemed like it was a ton, right? But yeah. when I look back at the video now, it's like this tiny room. Yeah. Everybody's all spread out. There's like, somebody's like pouring you water. It's just very, it was very, yeah. like, it was an awesome event, but it was compared to what we do now, it was very small. And Definitely. I was so nervous to go up on that stage. We were about to have a baby or having a baby. James was going to be born like a week or two later. My yep. wife was like, don't go. I was like, I have to go for some reason. <laughs> I just know that I have to go and I have to speak there. And I talked about my journey, like my, the, the three or four people that I had hired this year, that year to go from doing like one deal to almost 70 deals. And I remember that right there, from that day on, the only question that I seem to be answering is like, how did you get where you got so fast? Like, how did you yeah. do it so fast? So right. the next year I talked about raising money. The year after that, I talked about marketing. Like, how do you market to do, so year three. And then last year I talked about culture and core values. Yeah. Talked about core values. And it's like the thing that finding the, the who already knows how to do that. Like the Dan Sullivan, who not the how kind of concept. Yep. core values. And Nate and I talked about hiring and structuring and, and those kind of things. And that it's, it's interesting because I taught about that at Flip Hacking Live last year. When I go back and listen to the recording, I know what I'm saying, but then when I'm doing the things in my company, a lot of times I need that mirror. And that mirror for me was your book at the right time that I needed to read that thing. Right. Uh, so that those core values, culture, things like that are so, so important. And this year, at Flip Hacking Live, I will figure out how to answer that question again. It just that never seems like I answer <laughs> yeah. it to the level that people need. So um, yeah. uh, go pick up this book and I'll tell you, it, it, whether, wherever you are in your business, you're just getting started, 
you're somewhere in the middle, you've ramped up and you're not even, you're working in your business a couple hours a week. Um, it's got something for, for all those people. And if you, if you're just getting started and you can start your foundation here, then you're, you're going to get where I got a lot faster if you put in the time and the action. And then if you're in the middle, like a couple tweaks will just blow things up for you. And, and, and maybe you have to uh, take a couple steps back to take 10 forward. And then if you're just doing like an hour or two in your business, so like, 5% change in that is a couple hundred thousand dollars. And there's definitely uh, 10 to 15% change in here. Believe me. Cause I know. So I made a couple tweaks after reading it and it was definitely what I needed at that time. So go to Amazon, support Mike Simmons, level jumping on Amazon or text just start to five, five, four, 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 right? Five, yep. five, four, four, four. That's it. And uh, get the digit. It's not, I'd say it's not an, or it's an, and get it on Amazon, leave them a review. Um, I think I got one of the first reviews in. So I saw, and I think I, I don't know how, how they batch them, but um, I dropped it in there as fast as you asked for it. So um, thank you. Flip hacking live this year. Obviously Mike will be there. Yeah. He'll be talking about this. He'll, um, he'll probably make me buy a bunch of copies of the book or something. And uh, <laughs> I got 10 at my house right now. So I'll bring them and uh, have Mike sign them and, and, nice. and do something cool. So, um, nice. but Mike will be there. I'll be there. I think it's going to be a, a great time. Anything else? What else can we, uh, can we talk about before we sign off here? Um, nothing really. I mean, yeah, my, the next big thing for me is flip hacking live. Like that's, that's my, that's my focus right now going forward. Obviously I'm promoting the book and I'm talking about it and that's awesome. Um, but flip hacking live is the next big event for me. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to preparing what I'm going to talk about. And we will have that conversation at some point, but um, yeah, that's the, man, if you, if you want to, if you want to get more time with me or Bill or, or anybody that you, you hear that's going to be at Flip Hacking Live, the, the little hack is it's very difficult to get me if you're not near me. But if you go to Flip Hacking Live, I'm there for three days, right? And so is Bill and so is a lot of the other folks that he talks to. So it's a good little hack to like get a hold of us and, and get some get some FaceTime. So anyways, that's the next big thing for me. Yeah, bring your book. Mike Simmons will sign it. I'll, I'll set right. up uh, some like red... Uh, uh, red carpet, some nice uh, streamers. Velvet ropes, nice. Yeah, <laughs> the, I'm looking yeah, forward velvet, to it. <laughs> velvet ropes and the red <laughs> carpet. Um, yeah. You know, hey, uh, we while we're talking about Flip Hacking Live, uh, I, I don't know about the timing of when this podcast is going to come out, but I might as well we'll let a couple things out of the bag. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're going to talk about, but we're going to have to figure it out soon because on July 10th and 11th, we're going to do a um, a virtual summit, like a two day, like flip hacking live, like mini flip hacking live event. It's totally free. Um, it's be like on zoom structured. Like we've been doing a lot of virtual events lately. We had to do our virtual event in April. I just did this virtual uh, veterans event that you guys heard about last week with uh, my presentation and, and Walter's presentation, um, from the veterans event. And so we've gotten really good at it. So what we want to do is we want to open this up to anybody who's interested in even finding more information about you know, what we're doing, what we're talking about and have bring some, some of the speakers in from Flip Hacking Live and do almost like a mini event leading up to it and where we just deliver as much value and content as we can, um, presentations much like Flip Hacking Live, but they're needed right now. So we're just kind of like, just coming out of this coronavirus thing, people are getting out there, they're starting to go back to work. There's some people, some places that are opening like phase one in some areas, other places are just like Tennessee. It's everything's open. Um, it's all just kind of a mix. So we're starting to see what's happening. The economy is seems to be coming back. Uh, jobs are people are being rehired and stuff like that. So now 
it's time to get after it. Like how can we continue to just kind of sharpen our ax? So we're going to put on this two day event that is going to deliver as much content as value to you guys as possible. And um, you can come on for free and just kind of hang out with us. So uh, Mike will be there speaking. He doesn't necessarily know it yet, but I'm telling him he's going to be there. Uh, I'll be there. I'll do a presentation. A lot of our uh, presenters from Flip Hacking Live this year, um, it'll be your first introduction to some of them. And I'm going to have the people who are really kind of changing the game and wholesaling and flipping right now. Tyler Jensen will be talking for sure there um, about what he's doing and probably talking about, you know, his Gantt chart, some of the seven day flip stuff, things like that, budgeting. And uh, we'll put on this event and basically just show you a little bit behind the scenes of, and hopefully help as many people as we can. Um, the goal is to, our, our mastermind members will be there. Um, our altitude and runway members will definitely be on. And we weren't sure if we were going to have a virtual event or a live event. So this is a perfect um, opportunity for us. We are able to have our live event. Uh, we had to move it from Chicago down to Nashville. Um, but what we're doing here is we're just going to keep this kind of virtual time this weekend uh, on a Friday and Saturday for us to just uh, open it up to anybody that wants to come. So yeah, I think it's going to be fun. exciting. I'm, uh, I'm pumped for it. And uh, Michael will tell you, maybe he'll do a presentation on some of the things, uh, takeaways from the book some of uh, what he's got going on right now, some things that he's, we'll structure this and come up with and figure out what the best thing is for you guys. So um, we'll, if we, we'll have a, some sort of place for you guys to go, but right now just kind of mark your calendars for July 10th and the 11th. And if we have it by, by uh, the time the show goes live, we'll put it in the show notes. If not, you can just uh, go to sevenfigureflipping.com, subscribe up in the top right. You can subscribe to our uh, newsletter, our emails, and you'll find out about it on email. And then you can also find our social media. We'll be posting it on our Instagram and Facebook pages and stuff like that for seven figure flipping. So nice. Um, it's it's going to be did fun. You, did you know about that, Mike? I did. I just learned about it today, like before this, but yes, I did know about it and I fully anticipated being there and speaking. So I'm glad that I'm invited. It sounds like I'm more invited, more than invited. I'm, I'm being asked to, to do it. So that's awesome. No, it's gonna be fun. I look forward to it. It's, it's always a good time. So yeah, it's a good, good thing. We call that voluntold in the Navy. You there you go. Voluntold to, uh, to come yeah. to this. So. I like, yeah, I like I think to think of it as I was cordially invited. That's how I look at it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> feel free to decline, but I won't let you. So um, it's, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And obviously, if you haven't gotten your tickets already, you can go to fliphackinglive.com and grab your tickets. And make sure you pick up Level Jumping on, uh, on Amazon. So amazon.com, Level and go to smile.amazon.com anytime. And if you guys don't know about that, put in, uh, put in the charity of your choice. Obviously, um, I'm a, a supporter of Operation Underground Railroad and the Children's Heart Foundation. So I kind of bounce between those two charities and I buy all my stuff through there. So little, a little hack for you guys. doesn't cost anything nice. different. doesn't cost anybody else any more money, but Amazon donates a little bit to charity um, there. So we've been doing a lot of that stuff lately and making a push for like our impact and charitable donations. So um, nice. I don't know if uh, they, everything's a little bit different books, uh, different materials, different stuff, but a little hack for you guys, but go to Amazon um, level jumping, or uh, if you want the PDF, uh, just start to five, five, four, four, four. Mike, thanks for being with me, man. This is good. Uh, All right. I'm keeping, I, yeah, I know. I'm keeping track by the way. You called me old at the beginning of the podcast and I never really got you back. So I'm going to let that hang out there for a minute and I'll figure out a way to get back in public. I'll get back. Okay. Well, hey, maybe you should come to the virtual event on July 10th and the 11th if you like, um, if you like any of this uh, banter back and forth. I'm sure there'll be more <laughs> of it there. So, um, and, and that's, I mean, this is just a bunch of people that we talk a lot about like finding your tribe, finding your people. And um, if that's us, then come hang out with us at Flip Back and Live. Come hang out with us at a virtual yeah. event. Like eat up the stuff that we put out because, and, and let us know what you need. Like right now, if you let us know what you need on 
respond to some of my emails um, on our Facebook page, or our Instagram page, Seven Figure Flipping Instagram page, or the Facebook page. Just post in there what you want. Like, what do you want to hear at the virtual summit? Like, what's going on with you guys right now? So, how can we help you? The more that you give us feedback, if you just tell us what you need, I'll produce it. It's it's simple. Yeah. And so, a lot of times we ask, like, what do you? If you're listening to podcasts, I mean. There's thousands of you that are listening right now. So like, what are you struggling with? What, how can we help you? And we'll figure out how to do that. And I'll make sure that it's a point at Flip Hacking Live to do. We'll create things. We'll, I mean, that's, that's what my goal is right now is how can we help our audience? And what do you guys need the most? And obviously our mastermind members are at the, you know, very, very top of my list. Those are the people that, that that's the pulse. That's, that's the feedback that I get mainly. But there's yeah. a lot of you guys out there that are just getting started. Or, and like Mike said, you might not know what you need. So allow us to curate that for you allow us to put on an event like this, but attend, be present, turn everything else off and say, how can I focus? How can I be here? And what can I get out of it? Because a lot of times what I find is you don't know what you need until you show up, pay attention and it's given to you. And for me, like I've sat through a lot of presentations that I thought I'm not going to get anything out of this, or I would have skipped it if I knew what it was. And it's, it's changed everything for me, changed my business, changed my life change like my fitness, the, like all this stuff. Like it just, it changes because I'm present, I'm there, I'm paying attention and somebody gave me what I, what I didn't know that I needed. And totally. a lot of times that's it. So show up with us July 10th and the 11th that we can help you any other way, reach out to us. Um, yeah, obviously we got a ton of different places that you can do that. And uh, Mike, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's always fun. Uh, and ah, yeah, I'm kind of glad that I feel like I got, I got most of the, um, uh, most of like the below belt shots today. So you did. I'm being a gracious guest. No, it's you, good. Uh, right. You'll be on my podcast at some point. Believe me, there'll be paybacks. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being super generous and kind and saying nice things about the book. I appreciate that too. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of hard work involved in that. So um, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you letting me on. All right. Well, you heard it guys. Uh, level jumping on Amazon. Go get it right now and leave a review. Like that's how, that's yeah. how authors like Mike poured like I had probably years into this book, right? And, and, and obviously his entire career in flipping houses and wholesaling houses and building a business has gone into this. So, and then writing it, putting it together and all an author asked for is like, hey, what did you think? Like, did you like it? Did you not like it? Like, how, what, am I helping you? And right. you don't really know until I don't know, somebody comes up to you. And that's the cool thing. Like, bring, bring the book to Flip Hacking Live. Uh, tell Mike how much you appreciate it. Let him sign it. Like, it really did. It, it helped me a ton when uh, I needed it. And I mean, he was, he gave it to me as a kind of give an opinion. I I had to like pry it from his like cold hands. He's like, I don't want to send this to you. It's like, send it to me. I want to read it, man. Uh, he's like, I'm not done. I'm not done. You'll judge me. You'll judge it. Uh, but uh, it was, it's, it's what I needed. I, in fact, I wish I got it like a month earlier. So um, it was some really great stuff in there. It's really awesome. So um, check Thank it out, you. pick it up. All right, we need to get off of here or else uh, I'm just going to be um, going over and over. Go get your book, Amazon.com. Go get it. Go. All right, Mike, had a good time, man. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, as always, you're awesome, dude. I'll, uh, Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right, as usual, I had an absolute awesome time talking to Mike Simmons. I know that we joke around a lot. There's some like ribbing and some friendly uh, banter back and forth, but I, I love sitting down with Mike and uh, kind of talking with him about his experience, his background, all that stuff. And we mentioned a couple things on that podcast. So obviously we mentioned Mike's book, Level Jumping. Go over to Amazon, support Mike Simmons, support the Seven Figure Flipping community and grab the book. It will help you, I'm sure of it. And uh, we mentioned this uh, virtual event that we're putting together. So this is probably the first time that I announced that it kind of like slipped out in our uh, podcast, but we're putting together an event for you guys um, in early July. So you'll hear a lot more about that coming up. 
and we talked about Flip Hacking Live. So there's a couple times and areas that you can go see Mike Simmons speak, you can see me speak, you can get to know us, you can hang out with us. And uh, Flip Hacking Live is an absolutely amazing event. We've got a couple of free things going on right now. and We're leading up to this money raising challenge and a bunch of other stuff that we're doing. So stay tuned, follow along with what we're doing. And uh, coming up, I've got a lot of incredible shows planned for you about uh, raising money, about uh, flipping, and about these uh, different events that we're doing. So look forward to seeing you guys on the next podcast, and uh, I'll see you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Bill again, and I want to personally invite you to our biggest event of the year, Flip Hacking Live. If you could copy the exact deal sources, marketing strategies, negotiation tactics, and business systems of the most successful house flippers and wholesalers in the nation, how would that change your business? Flip Hacking Live is a three-day event that we do just once per year, and it's happening October 15th through the 17th in Orlando, Florida. We bring in the nation's top wholesalers and house flippers to walk you through everything they're doing how they're marketing directly to sellers, how they're picking up discounted off-market properties, how they're doubling their close ratio with the right negotiation tactics, how they're raising millions of dollars in private money, the things they're doing that other investors aren't doing, all of it. These are the guys and gals who are actively doing deals at a high volume in today's market all across the country. You get their full attention for three days. They have agreed to hold nothing back and you'll be right there with them so you can ask questions and get clarification on anything that you need. This is your chance to hack the nation's top flippers and wholesalers and ethically steal their exact strategies and systems. All you have to do is take notes, ask questions, and apply what you learn. But first, you need to get a ticket. We've sold out every year and ticket prices go up every few months. So go to fliphackinglive.com right now and get your tickets today. Fliphackinglive.com, October 15th through the 17th in Orlando, Florida. This is an event that you cannot afford to miss.